0: Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9am to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156.
2: This is Denise Salcedo with Robin Lundberg and this is the weekend edition of the Busted Open Podcast. We talk about the WWE acknowledging Allie Knight, where would he stand against the big dogs and we discuss the feud between Asuka and Io Sky after their title match was announced. Plus, we get into the interaction between Samoa Joe and MJF on AEW Dynamite. You won't want to miss it. Kevin Nash It's trending on your Twitter feed, on Twitter, and this is definitely in correlation to what went down last night on SmackDown. So let's break it down. I want to start things off with an Ally Knight promo that we got. So he goes out there and he's mocking The Miz. He's mocking The Miz for being a whiner because Miz is all whining about how he lost to Ally Knight. But the reason why Kevin Nash is cha- trending is because Ali Knight recalled the Kevin Nash adjective moment from Nitro and corrected it to a verb, <laughs> a very infamous, uh, you know, moment there. Uh, before we continue on with the rest of all of this, uh, what is your take on this? Because we know that, you know, Kevin Nash had some choice words for Ali Knight not too long ago.
3: Yeah, he's soon he's since walked it back, right? Um. But he really kind of called L.A. Knight trash. I mean, if we're being real about it, right? He was like, he's a knockoff of Stone Cold and The Rock, I, I think is essentially what he said. And there's definitely inspiration there because people have said L.A. Knight's an amalgamation of, of, of those two. But the L.A. Knight thing is so fascinating because it, it happens so organically. Like, this was not an instance of, you know, to talk about The Rock, Rocky Maivia, Via. To, who was who was supposed to be shot to the moon. It didn't work that way, and it was The Rock that turned out. Or Roman Reigns, you know, the big dog thing with the backlash, but then, you know, he's the chosen one, and, and the tribal chief character is what happened. L.A. Night just kind of happened, right? Like, the fans just sort of decided, I like this guy. He, he's older than what you would typically be when your career is is, is first launching into its apex, and, and I think that is, is very interesting. And then, you know, wrestling fans love... Stuff like that, right? Where where somebody takes a shot or a veiled shot, and you have to you have to know the context in order to understand the reference, right? It makes you you know feel like you're really dialed in. And and La Knight did that in that promo. Obviously, got his his catchphrases and, and all that off. And then you know a little bit later in the show, which we're gonna get to, had a, a confrontation with Paul Heyman, which I think is the surest sign yet that the WWE has listened to the fans and understands, all right, this is one of our core guys right now.
2: That was the thing that I think I took most away from what we got today on SmackDown is that I finally feel... Like WWE is treating Allie Knight kind of like what the fans pretty much wanted now for quite some time. Because after this, we end up getting so he's going out there, he's you know, he's doing his thing, he's cutting his promo, and uh, he mentions a line that I thought was kind of interesting, or it was interesting, but in a way that I thought was kind of cool. And this was him basically saying that he got an endorsement from John Cena, and then saying, I didn't even need that endorsement from John Cena, I'm endorsing myself, and I'm going, damn. Somebody got a shot of confidence, man, for reals. But um, we had Grayson Waller and Austin Theory come out. They interrupt, they go back and forth here on this promo. And then of course this leads into the actual match between Ally Knight and Austin Theory. So the reason why I said that this kind of felt like the first time that WWE is actually starting to treat Ally Knight differently is because there was two different times in this match where I thought they were gonna screw Ally Knight and give him, and give and him, have them lose this match in a really shitty way. And the reason I say this is because there was a spot in this match where Grayson Waller uh, basically takes off the padding off of the turnbuckle and exposes that, uh, that you know, that metal there and I thought, oh my god, they're totally going to do a thing where he hits his face there and Austin Theory gets the win and he's going to look super lame and they're going to kill his momentum, whatever, right? And they didn't. Then there was another spot where Grayson Waller gets up on the ring apron and starts doing, you know, distracting the referee and we see a roll-up from Austin Theory to LA Knight, and I'm thinking, oh my God, here we go. He's going to have him lose to a roll-up, and this is how they're going to justify it. And then that didn't happen either. And I'm going, okay, this is totally unlike what I would have predicted WWE to do. And so then we end up seeing Ali Knight actually pick up the victory and he doesn't get screwed by any of these outside interferences that Grayson Waller was trying to do. So that to me within itself was a win because not too long ago, like a couple weeks ago when he was, um, maybe like a little bit more than a month ago, but when he was feuding with The Miz, they did have the Miz cost him a match in the most ridiculous way where he ends up getting rolled up and it wasn't even like a convincing finish. And so because of that, I truly thought they were going to screw LA Knight um, last night, and they didn't. Uh, What did you make of the match portion of it all?
3: You know, I I think they've known for a while, you know, they weren't going to just ignore this LA Knight thing. Triple H deserves the benefit of the doubt. Since he he's taken over, you know they they've they've been on a real roll. Um, so I, I figured they were just sort of biding time and 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 until they they decided what they wanted to do with him. But I yeah, I think you're right. I think we've now hit that uh, on ramp, if you will, for the the mega push for the megastar. The other aspect of this that I do find intriguing is the pairing of Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. It's just annoying enough that it might work. You know, Austin Theory. To me, Grayson Waller was almost like a better version of Austin Theory. What What Austin Theory was supposed to be, like I, I I prefer Grayson Waller on the mic and that character. I like the the music, but I do think putting him with Austin Theory may give Austin Theory some of that mojo back that I, I do think he's lost since. Because look, Austin Theory beat, he keeps referencing it. He beat John Cena at WrestleMania. That doesn't happen unless you have plans for him. If you you and that hasn't come to fruition i don't think it's worked or landed the way that they wanted it to but this is interesting to me because the uh you know waller pay- playing the front man on the mic and then theory playing off of that th- the dynamics seemed you know they almost seemed too similar at first uh, you know if you had just told me before the show they're gonna put them together i'd be like no it's like two of the same guy but it, it seemed to work to me and, and I, I think it, it is a good way to try and um reinvigorate Austin Theory.
2: Yeah, I like that you say that because while I was watching SmackDown last night, I was thinking the exact same thing in terms of reinvigorating Austin Theory because it's true. And, you know, Mark and I were here talking about it, you know, not too long ago when he was still United States champion. And one of the things that I mentioned on that episode was I almost don't care who won the United States championship as long as it was a champion that I remembered was even champion, period, Mm -hmm. to begin with. And I felt bad saying that because for all accounts and purposes, like, I like Austin Theory a whole lot. I think that there's so much potential there. But like you mentioned, he did kind of lose that mojo where you have to be constantly reminding us, oh, this guy beat John Cena in, uh, you know, at WrestleMania 39 at SoFi Stadium. Like, this is a big freaking deal. And unfortunately, like, nothing has come off from that right it's only kind of gotten a little bit downhill for him there and when you said that you liked Grayson Waller more than Austin Theory oh man I agreed completely like Grayson Waller to me uh, like you said just the right amount of annoying so that it is something that you know is supposed to get under your skin but not so much that you have go away heat that the person has go away heat um, you know from you so for me I'm like okay this is really great that they decided to do this pairing with Austin Theory and Grayson Waller because I think both of them are going to benefit off of their, you know, mutual likeness that they share. And so with the match itself, again, I think this was a big win for LA Knight in terms of them just just the overall purpose of where they're going. And then also, like, there were these reports coming out recently that, you know, he's in the midst of uh, signing a new deal or possibly having already signed a new deal. Uh, I know PW Insider said that their sources said that apparently um, it's for a contract of up to five years. Of course, we still don't know, but this has just been what's put out there. Uh, Dave Meltzer also reported that uh, it's looking like he is in line for a mega push. So there are things are finally looking like they're changing for Allie Knight. So with that being said, mega push. When you think mega push, you're like, okay, this guy's going to be, you know, skyrocketed to the moon. Well, you mentioned that there was a moment last night on SmackDown where they did tease something very freaking huge. And WWE, it does not get bigger right now than Roman Reigns and possibly being in a program with Roman Reigns. So here's what went down. Paul Heyman was backstage giving, you know, giving a piece of his mind to Adam Pierce. You know, he was handling his business, doing his thing. And Allie Knight just popped right in there, red hot, talking about The Miz, wanting a rematch with The Miz, which he's getting, by the way. Next week, we are going to be seeing that match. And then Paul Heyman looks at Allie Knight and he tells them, like, in the most sincere, genuine way, (laughs) very convincing, tells them, like, you know, we haven't been properly introduced and he tells them I'm a big like I'm like I'm a fan of yours you know I like the yeah and we even Mm -hmm. get a yeah himself from Paul Heyman and you know it seems like it's all friendly until Paul Heyman basically says the next time that you see me out here handling my business You better knock on that door. So basically, super irritated that LA Knight came out there and basically, you know, butted in on his conversation that he was having with Adam Pierce. So this basically told us okay, they are planting the seeds for a possible feud between him and Roman Reigns. I'm predicting, Robin. that we're probably still going to get a match between him and Jimmy, which I think would be cool. Maybe him and Sola Sokoa, uh, eventually leading to Roman Reigns. I don't think he's going to get to Roman Reigns right away, right? It's going to be a little bit of a buildup. Uh, so for this was pretty exciting, honestly. For you, what did you make of this, and what would you like to kind of get out of it?
3: Yeah, I think it's the surest sign yet that they, they understand where LA Knight is, what they're doing with him, and, and, and as far as signing him to a deal and, and all that, look, it's now or never with the guy, right? Because, it, it, no offense, you know, he's like the same age as me, so I'm not, like, trying to diss, but <laughs> he's not, he doesn't have 10 years to wait <laughs> anymore. Like, it's got to happen right now. So it's going to happen right now. The merchandise sales are there, the, the crowd, you know, he, he knows. He could get, he, there's not going to be an audience where he can't say, with everybody saying, L.A. night, yeah. Like, he, he knows that's going to happen. They know that's going to happen. So what are they going to do? Well, they, they've got to elevate him. They've got to make him look strong. Um, and, and I think one thing where he could stand to look stronger is in the ring. You know, I think most of this has been built off charisma and the, and the promos. So he, he's going to need some victories in the ring. And beating other members of the bloodline, would be a good way to do that. Look, as soon as you're put into anything with the bloodline, that's main event. Because, you know, the success of the bloodline story, whatever you think of it now, think of it through these terms. Jimmy Uso and Jay Uso feel like big stars now. When they, they were a tag team, they were a good tag team. But now Jey Uso is main event. Jey Uso over on Raw, standing on the turnbuckle, calling to the crowd. So as soon as you're thrown into that, you're basically thrown into the main event scene. And if you get to Roman, it it doesn't get any bigger than that win or loss. And and I'm not sure, you know, what the ultimate payoff is for L.A. Knight. But, you know, winning the Royal Rumble, is that a possibility? I think so. Facing Roman at the Royal Rumble, is that a possibility? I think so. But L.A. Knight and and Roman with Paul Heyman in there, uh, eventually getting to those two in the ring with the microphones, I I think is magic waiting to happen
2: yeah you're right on that and like you mentioned the second that you're in there with any of the bloodline members it is instant main event status and it's funny because you know God, not too long ago, you know, we were sitting here, Mark and I talking about how they weren't getting things right with LA Knight, or they didn't look like it was happening. Uh, you know, you can go back to him not winning money in the bank, him not winning the United States Invitational, all of these things, right? And it finally feels like they're making that turn. And like you said, you only have a certain amount of time with this guy, all right? It's not a diss whatsoever. But of course, you know, it's just a part of life. Everybody, you know, gets older and it's just what it is, right? Uh you know, he just started in WWE a little later in his life and so yeah, now you just have to freaking go with it. And you know, ride this momentum, ride this wave while you can.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.
2: I want to focus in on the women because there's some stuff here that I'm like, okay, I see what we're doing here. We're cooking. All right. So we ended up getting a, a tag team match in which we saw Charlotte Flair and Shotzi team up together to take on Bailey and Io Sky. And basically during this match, Bailey was distracted by the returning Asuka. And this basically allowed Charlotte and Shotzi to pick up a victory here. But of course, this was due to the distraction with Asuka being out there and making her return after this Asuka runs in there she's like parading herself with the belt like if she just won obviously this pisses off the champion Eo Sky and we get this like mini confrontation between Asuka and EO. now here's the thing we have been talking about Asuka and Eo for like months now because when Oscar was champion. You thought that this was going to be a feud that we were going to get and then we didn't really get it there. We did get that one tease that happened on the Grayson Waller effect show where they were just yelling at each other, but nothing really actually came out of that. And then when IO Sky won, I was finally thinking like, okay, maybe now is the time where they're going to do this Oscar thing. And then we hadn't seen Oscar, so I kind of just forgot about Oscar. And so then on SmackDown, we did have them officially announce the match in two weeks. We are going to be getting Io Sky versus Asuka. and there was also a promo by Asuka in which she kind of talks a little bit about being forgotten about and how she's basically coming back for the uh, championship. So, what did you make of you know of all of this? Is this something that you're intrigued in?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I like the confrontation. I thought it worked. Obviously you know, both Japanese superstars. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they, they do the build and how they, they do the promos. And, and it's not that far away, right? A uh, couple, couple weeks on SmackDown. But I think the match itself will be great. And, and I'm a big fan of EOS Sky. I'm a big fan of, of how all that came together very organically. I think with the women's division as a whole, streamlining some of the stories and where they're going with it is important because the talent's out of control good. I mean, there, there are so many women... Who I think are main event worthy, right? Like more than on maybe the men's side, where you talk about Rhea Ripley, a, a big time star; Bianca Belair, a big time star; obviously Charlotte Flair, a legend. That that's Io Sky on the the up and up. Asuka, not even getting into to Bailey and Becky Lynch, and, and so many women on Shotzi they're trying to build up. It seems like a little bit right now, but um, that that's I, I think important for them is to start streamlining who who's working with who, where they're they're actually going. Um, but I, I think it makes perfect sense to have Asuka and Io Sky work together. And I, I think it's almost a guarantee that the, whatever they do in the ring is going to be you know, top-notch.
2: That was the thing, too, because when this match started, I remember I was thinking, like, the first thing I thought was, man, we've been seeing Eoskai in so many tag team matches. And I was thinking, like, she's the champ, and I keep forgetting that she's the champion, right? And that's, like, the worst thing that can happen when someone's the champ and you forget. Uh, for me, I was thinking, like, man, I really want to see Eoskai in a better program. I want to see her actually be highlighted as a champion. So when Asuka came out and I realized that this is what we were getting to, I'm thinking, okay, Thank goodness, because I really feel like this is what we need for the women's title picture, because if not, then it was just pretty much what they've been doing nonstop is a bunch of tag team matches, and that's not going to put over your champion, right? You want a dominant champion, and I feel like we weren't just, we weren't getting that with Io Scott, and I already felt like Asuka was enough of a transitional champion. I was kind of hoping that her reign was a lot better, but they pretty much did what they always do with Asuka, which is not really give her much of anything as champion and that's very unfortunate because now when you have this feud with Io Sky and Oscar, if you were to ask me, do you want to see Asuka become champion again? I'm gonna say no because I already know what WWE is gonna do with Asuka as champion. I already know what that looks like. So personally, I really hope that they don't do the same thing with Io Sky. I hope that we actually get a good program out of this. I want to see a couple matches between both of them, and I want to see them, you know, really highlighted in the ring, man. Like let them do, let them show their skills, let them show what they can do um and another person that people have been bringing up on social media and just talking about in general is uh Kyrie do you think that we might expect Kyrie to at some point maybe perhaps make a return during this story here
3: I mean if if it's going to happen this <laughs> makes sense right so uh, yeah I think so and and to to your point um not only the EO Sky championship aspect of it but also giving some gravity to the fact that Asuka had won that title. Because that, that was one of the last times I was really genuinely surprised. I did not expect her to, to get that win when she did. And you don't want that to just be here today, gone tomorrow either, where it, it was such a forgettable rain that it, it didn't mean anything. So you want that to mean something. So I think the pursuit back for it. From Asuka is important as it is for Io to want to hold on to it. And then, you know, if you're involving other aspects of it, like a return, that only stretches out how far these two can go together.
2: Now, in terms of the storytelling, like, how do you think is the best way to, like, present this? Like, should they be cutting, um, you know, just promos in Japanese together, you know, in the ring? Should they do something with subtitles? Should they do something more similar to what Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins have been doing? What do you think is the most effective way to, like, get them over and get their story over? Um, and then for them not to, like, basically go out there and be like, what, chatted to death or something? Like, what happened to Shinsuke that one time?
3: Yeah, I think it should be produced vignettes as far as the build, right? Um, uh, get something, and then the element of surprise as far as the live aspect of it. So, you know, a, a run-in attack, that kind of thing that, that is physical, that's going to get over in front of the crowd, which we saw last. I mean, just Asuka does such a great job with her body language with her facial expressions and everything that that in a way is how she's cutting a promo. Now as far as how you're telling the story and what they're saying to one another, I think, you know, backstage or or things that are subtitled, stuff like that, it worked really well for for Shinsuke and Seth. I don't think you want to copy it exactly cuz you know, then it feels a little stale, but be inspired by that cuz to me that's the most effective Shinsuke Nakamura has maybe ever been uh, in in WWE when it comes to his character um, and, and the 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 way he's delivering a message. So I, I think you know using that, given obviously the, through no fault of their own, just you know where they're from, the, Asuka and and Io Sky aren't going to be able to just stand there, mic to mic with a crowd who who doesn't speak Japanese.
2: Right, right, and that's the thing. Like I remember like when they did that thing on Grayson Waller, uh, the effect the Grayson Waller the Grayson waller effect uh it was it was cool to kind of just have them like yelling at each other like of course we know a lot of us didn't understand what they were saying but like you pretty much got the gist of that a so moderator like that's do, interesting yeah. a moderator yeah i mean they could do that i i don't see why not right But I feel like if they switch it up and they do like a variety of different ways, right? Where you have them doing, you know, Japanese promos, where you have them doing like these pre-taped vignettes. I think like if they mix it up, it'll kind of feel a little bit better. But that's saying and expecting a lot in terms of like, I feel like, I just really, really hope that they give them an honest to God, real story here. Because this is a feud that I think fans have been waiting for. And like even yesterday when I was tweeting about this, uh, a lot of people were like, yeah, it's finally happening. Woo. You know, people are excited about it. So I hope that WWE doesn't underestimate people's interest in Asuka and Io Sky here, because I think that there is definitely a lot of interest in just watching them, you know, really go at it. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about, because we are on the subject of the women and we we're just talking about how Charlotte and Shotzi got the win here. Uh, Shotzi was the one who got the win for her team. And clearly this whole feud that she's been doing with Bailey has like really, turn things around for Shotzi because Shotzi's always been this cool persona, right? She looks cool when she had the long green hair. She has a very unique look with the tattoos and the makeup and everything that she wears. She always stood out, but there wasn't an actual program for her. Now that, you know, she shaved her head, she just looks a lot more like you know really extreme, really badass. Uh, I really feel like we're starting to see things turn around for Shotzi. And based on what we've been seeing with Shotzi and Bailey and what they've been doing, uh, where do you go from here? Like, what is something you would like to see? Well, I
3: mean, I, I think obviously Bailey being upset that that Shotzi keeps getting the the victories over her sets up something between the, the two of them uh, Bailey is is a pro uh, has has her team flanking her and the, the shotzi um, makeover has worked my daughter asked me about her hair you know I, I, again going back to what we were saying at the beginning of the show but sometimes I'll take what my kids say as a good indicator, as a good litmus test that that something is working or or not. Just that organic reaction, because they're not sitting there thinking in terms of booking and and all that sort of stuff. You know? So, Shotzi, um, that look seems to have worked. Obviously, Charlotte Flair is there to give her a, a little bit of a a rub, if you will. You know, we're ra- I'm raising her hand, and and, and I think uh, a program with Bailey definitely makes sense.
2: Yeah, I really kind of, I want to see them get like very, I want to see, you know, weapons and just more of this like street fight type of, uh you know, story between them because it's clear, you know, things cut, you know, with the way that Shotzi was kind of terrorizing bailey and just like you know obviously you know taking her hair off and all of that i feel like you definitely have to do something a little bit different than just a straightforward match so i do want to see them get like physical in the sense where we're having i don't know a street fight or maybe i don't know bailey puts her hair on the line i have no idea i feel the like they can definitely yes yes Bailey tank. stomped
3: on that tank on the way in right like she was annoyed that was good. so involved the tank somehow
2: what would they be able to do that they can involve the tank in there?
3: I mean, I think in a in a, a Falls Count Anywhere kind of match, you know, you 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 can just use it as a. Pro- it doesn't have to necessarily be a tank match, right?
2: Like, right. No, I was gonna like, say, what would, use... what would a tank match look like? Where somebody has to drive the tank the t- to a
3: certain t- part of the arena. <laughs> you
2: know? Yes, I was gonna say, just put the little like sticker on the bottom, the little black and white sticker or something, and whoever drives it there wins the match. <laughs>
3: that's interesting though why not
2: (laughs) oh my god I can only imagine what you know what Bailey would definitely make it work if they were to do something like that they would definitely make it work but yeah like you said like you utilizing that tank as a weapon too would be really hilarious that could be a lot of fun there um oh man so yeah I definitely like what they're doing here um I also want to touch on Charlotte Charlotte and what she's doing right now because you know Charlotte's always at the very top of her game she's always you know front forward and center. Uh, how have you been feeling about what they're doing right now with Charlotte? And where do you think is where do you think this is all going for her?
3: You know what? I'm not sure, uh, and I can't say like I you know it feels like there's a huge purpose for Charlotte at the moment. But the good thing is, it doesn't matter as far as Charlotte goes, just because she's so established. You know, with, with everybody else, you you kind of want to make sure that they, they're worked into a, a great storyline and angle and everything like you could. Announce Charlotte Flair versus any of the top women the week before, and you're going to be okay. This is lit, you know. Let let's let's rock and roll because you know when it comes to that that premium live event match, Charlotte Flair is going to step up to the plate and knock it out of the park. So could it be done better? Sure. In the meantime, I think really right now they're they're kind of just using Charlotte to to prop up Shotzi right at this very moment.
2: Yeah, and that's good, right? People are always complaining that, you know, Charlotte never puts anybody over, apparently according to the social media, Mm -hmm. but I love Charlotte. I think she does a phenomenal job and uh, it is weird not seeing her like in a super like Charlotte-esque program, but I like what she's doing. Like even just yesterday, like seeing her raise up her hand next to Shotzi and seeing how happy Shotzi was and how happy Charlotte looked for Shotzi. All of that stuff really lined up very nicely. Um, let's go ahead and bring in some of our callers here. We got Darnell from New Jersey. Darnell, you're on the air. What do you want to talk about today?
1: Okay, I hear y'all talking about Oscar, Kyrie, Singh, and all the other women, but WWE just re-signed Kyrie Singh. She just got re-signed, and I think they went for a way to bring her in. Wouldn't it be good for them to bring her in during this feud between um, EO Sky and Oscars? Everyone wants to see EO Sky and Kyrie for years, but because they were in different companies, it couldn't happen. Now they're in the same company again. And wouldn't it be good to have her cost um, EO the title and then them to fight and even let Oscar have the title for a little while and then her and Oscar to fight? Because they, all three easily um are dream matches.
3: They were in Japan. I mean, I think Denise already hinted at that or, or touched on that when she she brought it up as as a possibility. I mean, I think one thing WWE has done with, with some of these signings that people find out about is they haven't rushed them. They haven't been like, oh, we're signing, we're, we're throwing you on TV just to throw you on TV. There there tends to have been a purpose for when somebody is is actually coming in. But the fact that Denise is bringing it up and you're bringing it up, Darnell. I don't think um, the, the powers that be are ignorant to that desire to, to see those combinations. So yes, I, I think whether it's in two weeks on SmackDown when that match happens or it, not too far beyond that, I, I think you will see her involved somehow in, in what they're doing.
2: Hey everyone, Jen Shanti here, host of Sticks and Stacks, the podcast that brings you the very best action from the world of hockey and baseball. Each week, myself, Sean Drotar, and Nate Lundy will bring you our best picks and talk you through the props, bets, and fantasy advice that can help you become the best fantasy manager in your league or even just help you win some money. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. MJF and Samoa Joe let's break it down Robin I can't wait to discuss all of this so of course we know that MJF when it comes to the mic he is just you know one of the very best on the mic and Samoa Joe when it comes to intimidation and just like full on like this guy is going to kill you uh you're gonna buy every single thing that Samoa Joe does so you have these two guys mixing it in uh it's pretty freaking great so um let's talk a little bit about what actually went down of course during this confrontation basically the gist of it all is that Samoa Joe kind of kept referring to MJF as a kid and clearly MJF did not like that whatsoever um you know there were a couple of shots being thrown Samoa Joe calls him this uh Pillsbury Joe boy something like that he calls him Samoa Doe, and Samoa Joe is asking him like dude what is your problem and MJF tells him to essentially get in line from here on on, we get a story time from MJF. And MJF kind of recaps the entire situation that he had with William Regal. And he had this really great line where he tells Samoa Joe about william he says i knocked his british ass out and sent him packing to nxt where he belongs and if you play your cards right you're next and this was really good given that we all know samoa joe's history with nxt so then from here on out he basically refers to the part where uh he worked as security for samoa joe we've all seen that where samoa joe basically shoves him to the wall when he's the security and MJF brings up how he was 19 years old and how dare he do that to him and that he did that to him because he thought that he could get away with it and Samoa Joe tells them I didn't do that because I thought you were a kid. I did that to you because I thought you were a little bitch. (laughs) That was really freaking great. So Samoa Joe enters himself into the Grand Slam tournament that is being uh, held. So we're getting the Grand Slam World Title Eliminator Tournament. And uh, Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe's in it. He's going to have a match against Jeff Hardy. Or sorry, had a match against Jeff Hardy at... uh, rampage Rampage. and then you know we're gonna go from there but anyways so what did you make of this entire uh storyline and what were some parts that really stood out to you
3: yeah I mean I think um this is one of the best segments if not my favorite segment in AEW history to be honest with you just because uh, let me let me go back a second I've said it before on this show plenty of times AEW did such a fantastic job in its launch as far as appealing to the niche audience you know the the I, I've said it's the equivalent of the yes movement, right? And it, it's fitting that, that Daniel Bryan is over there now. That fan base. And and that fan base is locked in. That fan base is loading up Wembley. All those things. But in order to take it to the next level and continue on and continue to build, I think the thing that they needed to work on was the, the storytelling and the promos. Because those are as big a part of wrestling as the in-ring work is. And this, to me, has hit on all of those things that I said they need to hit on. And, and it, it has a callback to the the, the bump between uh, MJF and Samoa Joe. So there's a reason. There's a purpose. there There is a history there. Uh, obviously, MJF, as you said, is, is great on the mic. I think he had too many fat jokes. I liked the ice cream truck one. You know, that was a good one. <laughs> you, you thought yeah. my music was the ice cream truck. And then I thought Samoa Joe did a great job undercutting him. Right there, like coming in and saying, No, no, I'm you know, I've been around the block. I'm not gonna let you own me on the mic here. So I think everything about it worked. Uh, the 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 fact that there was the history, the fact that they're setting up a future confrontation, the fact that both of those guys are very good at their respective roles on the mic. And- <coughs> <laughs> and I thought it was excellent. I, I think that might be the first time I've... You. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that might be the first sneeze I've ever had <laughs> live on the air too. So. You
2: know what's oh. funny is that I've been sitting here with allergies and I've literally been like on the precipice of sneezing this entire show and it hasn't happened at all. <laughs> it finally happened, <laughs> but to you. That's so funny.
3: Yeah, busted open uh, right <laughs> right out with the sneeze. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think I, I... I Flawless. I that was that was I, I thought wonderful television and and uh, um, really a huge moment for AEW in a sense because C M Punk was the story, right? Let like, let's be real, right? Like everybody's been talking about. C- I didn't think about C M Punk at all in that, and and C M Punk had just been working with Samoa Joe. You know, they had a history, and and I didn't think about C M Punk at at all w- when he would have been a, a natural opponent for M J F too. So I think that's how effective it was because it told a story and because it had two guys who are very good at what they do.
2: Yeah, I agree with this one. This one, it feels like a very big thing. Like, I can't wait to actually watch the match And see what they're going to essentially tell. Now, the thing that I personally want to get from MJF Samoa Joe is because, you know, this has gotten very personal, very fast, right? You know, MJF always makes everything personal. So at this point, but I think the thing that I want to get from this is something more similar to what um, MJF did with CM Punk. Because when MJF and CM Punk did that dog collar match, oh my God, the brutality of that was just tremendous. And I feel like that's the kind of matchup or something similar that we can get between him and Samoa Joe. Because what I want to see from this is sheer and utter brutality, physicality, that's what I want to get from this MJF Samoa Joe feud. Because again, like I feel like MJF, he's been having so many freaking good matches. Of course, let's not forget to mention that incredible match that he had um, with Brian Danielson. Then, of course, you have um, the work that he did at Double or Nothing in that four-way. That was really great. But it's been a while since he's had something that has been like, you know, God awful in the sense of brutality in the sense of blood and and I think that Samoa Joe is the right opponent to do something like that with especially because we know that Samoa Joe can go that direction and of course so can Mjf so personally that's something that I want to get out of this storyline uh is there anything in particular for you that you're like this is what I want to make sure that we see from Mjf Samoa Joe
3: well I think they they alluded to it at the end too and, and to to build on your point Mjf was hurt right yeah he couldn't feel his left it was his left arm i think he was saying was numb my left arm is numb obviously that has to be worked into the brutality aspect and the 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 storytelling around what whatever confrontation whatever match they wind up having is Samoa Joe sees that sniffs out the weakness i'm going to put this kid in his place
2: how have you been feeling about mjf's run as champion i think you know he needed
3: um the 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 Adam Cole thing has worked well the you know buddy buddy aspect of it but I, I do think he needed somebody who could stand across from him and and cut him down and that's where I think Samoa Joe really in, in some ways carried that segment because he was like no no uh, you know bitch kid all those things that it, it works against MJF and everything because MJF can continue to do his his act and and all that. But without somebody sometimes checking him, it, it doesn't reach its peak. It doesn't get to what where it needs to get to. And I, and I think that's where Samoa Joe comes in because I I think MJF's run you have to give it credit because he, he's he's built himself into a star. He's he feels like AEW's homegrown star uh, in, in many ways. But I, I do think for him to to be maximized, he needs somebody on the other side. And and that's what I thought Samoa Joe maybe better than anybody else i've seen ha- has done a, a good job of is is undercutting him and, and and therefore making him more effective
2: you need to find someone that can match mjf or you know feel like it's actually like there like there's an honest to god chance that that you know what MJF can actually lose here and I feel like that's what's somewhat been missing a little bit because yeah like you said the Adam Cole MJF stuff has been great but I didn't necessarily go into all in thinking like you know what maybe there's a chance Adam Cole's gonna defeat MJF I still felt pretty positive about MJF retaining during that matchup there and then it was kind of weird like even at all out not seeing him defend the title on a one-on-one match obviously he was on the card but just at a different capacity so personally I feel like this Samoa Joe feud really Really came at the right time and is going to bring uh, something a lot more interesting, I think, personally to to MJF's reign as the AEW world champion.
3: And, and maybe, you know, it was a blessing in disguise, the whole CM Punk thing, like they ripped the Band-Aid off. Because I don't think this happens if that doesn't happen, right? I, I mean, maybe maybe they already had that plan, but it doesn't feel like it to me. And, and, and this uh, feels like lightning in a bottle right now. And, and Samoa Joe, it, it's a chance for him to have another renaissance in his career, probably due to those circumstances. <laughs>